Suzanne Fremantle, introducing Bishop Paul Moore <coughs> and Arthur <coughs> A. Cohen for Penn. What is Penn? Penn is an independent international association of writers. Penn exists to promote worldwide friendship and intellectual cooperation among men and women of letters. Penn is against the imprisonment of writers for political reasons, and in the Penn Charter, Penn members pledge themselves to oppose any suppression of freedom of expression in the country and the community to which they belong. Penn is therefore against all censorship of the written word. American Penn is a non-profit, tax-exempt association with headquarters at 156 Fifth Avenue, New York City. Now, under the auspices of Penn, is Bishop Paul Moore, the Episcopal Bishop of New York, whose book, The Christian Reclaims the City, was published by the Seabury Press, and Arthur A. Cohen, who is a theologian and who has written on the myth of the Judeo-Christian tradition and is also a novelist. His latest novel is A Hero in His Time. Bishop Moore, will you tell us something about how the Christian faces death in his religion? Well, it's such a huge subject. Let me just begin by making a few general remarks, if I may. First of all, it is an ultimate mystery. And when we're talking about death, we're talking about a state of being beyond time and beyond space. Our language is locked into space and time, and therefore when we begin to talk of this state of being, we cannot speak about it in the same direct, exact fashion as we can about other matters. We have to talk by innuendo, by myth, by liturgy, by poetry, by intuition. Some of the great themes of the Christian belief about dying and the possibility of life beyond death are caught up in, in great phrases like the resurrection of the body, may she rest in peace, the second coming, the communion of saints. These and other phrases contain within them some very deep, almost trans-verbal realities. However, when the particular Christian faces death himself, then if you're with that person, you sense some of these great themes coming to life in human experience. You sense these strange phenomenon which comes again and again and again of a person who's been quite frightened or terrified or in, in great agony and suffering coming into a few moments of tremendous peace at the time of death. The smile on the, on the face of, of, of dying people is, is a smile which is so different than a smile that perhaps they've given you just a few minutes before. You talk with people who have been unconscious for many days even, and you find that they've been living in a dream world, but some part of that dream world sounds as if and feels as if they had already taken a step toward whatever that other state of being is. So you're in an area of the unconscious, of dream, of myth, of mystery. I suppose underneath this for the Christian is the overwhelming belief in God's love that whatever happens, this is a ultimately a benign cosmos in which we are, are living and therefore a benign cosmos in which we are dying and that whatever it may be, we can believe in this ultimately loving presence and can step into it with, with some courage and, and with some hope. Now, what about the Jewish tradition? 
Mr. Cain. Let me make two comments almost as a prelude. The first is, I don't think death is the mystery. I think the advent of death is the mystery. It's the time of death that is mysterious. Why the young? Why those in the prime of their gift? Why those whose uh, death then becomes an auspices of judgment? Uh, we're consistent by the moment of death, not by the fact. I think everyone would recognize the ontological imminence of death, but it's the arrival and the precise moment that is the shock whether somebody is two or 82 or 102. There is always a shock. The second thing is that at the moment of death, one is also dealing with the problem of reconciliation. The smile of which the bishop speaks, which I find very moving, is in my perception the smile of reconciliation. That is to say, of being not alone at one with God, but quits with the world, quits in the sense of equal. The negotiation is completed, the transaction is done, and that transactional relationship passes over into another reality. And part of the whole focus of Jewish tradition is very clearly not the reconciliation of the dying to their death, but the reconciliation of the living to the death of the dying. Uh, the whole focus of the prayer known as the Kaddish, which is actually a mode of sanctification, never mentions death. It is a prayer recited by the mourners in celebration of the eternity and kingship of God and God as he who will recall the dead in memory to life. And the notion of God as rememberer is one of the consistent thematic uh, qualities of both the New Year liturgy and the Day of Atonement liturgy and the Sabbath liturgy. So that there is that kind of uh, fabric I think the one thing that I was remarking earlier, which is of moment to bring out, is most Jews are of the impression that there is no doctrine of eternal life, much less a doctrine of immortality in Judaism, principally because Jews have worked from an already denatured series of translations, both within the liturgy as well as within the language. They aren't aware of the structure of the liturgy, and very often aren't aware of what they're saying. The belief in the resurrection of the flesh is quite specific. There is the blessing three times a day, which Jews are ostensibly obligated to say, which states that it is he who remembers and who revives to life those who go down into the dust. Bishop, don't you think that that is very much in the Christian tradition too, because in the Psalms, uh, we, we say constantly, in, in memoria eterna, eterni erat justus, the just will be in the memory of God. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is where the just man always is, mm -hmm. not only at the moment of death. If <coughs> a man is in a, the state he's supposed to be, he is somehow in the memory of God, so that, 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 that there he is. And, and that seems to me the great 
tradition that uh, it's now and in the moment of our death is really the same moment. Yeah, let me just say something. I think that we we would go further than just saying uh, that we are in the memory of God because we could be in his memory without our cells existing. Without our participation. And I think what what the Christian faith is saying uh, is in the doctrine of the resurrection of the body that there is an individual life beyond. But the nature of that life would be we're not swallowed up in the great sea of eternity as some of the Eastern religions say but we will keep our identity. The communion of saints is saying that each person may be perfected in his own particularity, his own peculiarity each one different, but each one perfect, and all joined together in, in, in love and in love of God. There's another theme, too, which to me has always been pastorally very important and, and very real, and that is the theme of death and resurrection as dealing with both the horror of the cross, the bloody body, the, the groaning and the anguish and the total ugliness which death often has, especially if someone's been sick a long time, and then the beauty and the glory, which sometimes come in the smile, where a disfigured face suddenly relaxes and smiles, or often comes in the uh, burial office in, in a funeral that has a sense of joy, as well as the enormous release of love which occurs when someone dies amongst those who love that person, almost as if that the death of one person brought to life an enormous just effusion of love which supports family and gives one a sense of, of the power of new life which springs from from death. So these themes are hard to you know to be exact about but they're there and they're so very real that it gives you a hint and an indication perhaps of of, of this love of God I was speaking earlier which somehow does lift us up and does takes us beyond. Well this moment is the moment of Easter for Christians and of Passover for Jews. Now, has the Passover any significance in this in this idea? It was a passing, of course, from slavery to freedom. But is there an no, there's any no idea? specific motif of resurrection in the Passover other than corporate resurrection, which is a, a distinction of some importance, namely that uh, Judaism traditionally handles the resurrection and restoration of the corporate Israel through the feast of the Passover, and ultimately through the passage which occurs in the Sabbath liturgy at the time that the uh, Torah, the five scrolls, are read, which is the planting of eternal life in our midst. Namely, this is the continuity of the wisdom of Judaism in the liturgical focus of the entire community to the celebration of God's word. But the eternity of Israel is quite independent of the doctrine of the resurrection, which is the immortality of the individual soul. And I think both notions are discontinuous. That is to say, it is conceivable that one could speak of the eternity of Israel without the presence of individual Jews, and and one can also, and vice versa. Well, in a sense, we have an analogy there with the, the communion of saints and the, church. And the doctrine of the right. church is only mm-hmm. against the individual. One other thing, speaking of liturgy, is, of course, that the two great Christian liturgies, the liturgy of baptism and the liturgy of the Eucharist or the Mass, are basically death and resurrection 
liturgies. To become a Christian, one must die into oneself, go down into the water of death, and rise in the water of birth. The, the Easter liturgy was always celebrated and still is with baptism. That was the time of the year to be baptized, Easter Eve. You go down into the tomb with Christ and rise with him. And so that to become a Christian, you have to die and rise, as it were, symbolically. And then you repeat Sunday by Sunday in the Eucharist, one of whose many themes is death and resurrection, a dying and a rebirth of one's own spiritual life. So that the, the real Christian, the deep Christian, has been used to dying and rising in, in these symbolical ways, these liturgical ways, and also in his own life. When you, you go down into periods of depression or darkness or sadness or pain, and then you do get healed, you do come up again, you are able to go forward, and often you go forward at a much deeper and stronger level than before the, the little death you experienced. So one way of describing the Christian life is, is a rhythm of death and resurrection during one's whole life, beginning with birth and culminating in the glorious final death and resurrection. So that the idea of death and resurrection is not something just that happens at death, but is part and parcel of our whole being as, as it goes forward in life. Well, it's part of the diurnal rhythm. And I think this is absolutely accurate. I think that the way in which many of the themes which were present liturgically in classical Judaism, such as baptism, I mean, all converts are baptized in Judaism, may not be familiar to non-Jews, but in coming into Judaism, every convert is baptized. And baptism is both a procedure of cleansing oneself of one's historical past or of one's idolatry and joining oneself as new as a babe mm -hmm. to the community of Israel. So that these thematic overlays are certainly present in both traditions. I think that the symbol of the the absence of the symbol of the cross and the transformation of the idea of the crucifixion into the historical experience of the Jewish people, which was transformed already in the book of Isaiah. That is to say, the agony of Israel is an it's agony which certain. has very many analogs in both classical as well as historical <clears throat> Judaism without the primary focus of the cross as the crossroads of, 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 of one's life and, and the of crossroads history. of history. Yeah. Um, I think it's the difference, as I've often said, between a tradition, Judaism as a tradition that has no center, has a beginning and an end, and Christianity is a religion in which the center is always shifting in relationship to the individual's relation to the cross. Mm -hmm. So that it, is, it is a centrally focused religion, whereas Judaism is a religion that moves from creation to the resurrection or to the redemption of history, uh, which is indefinitely defined. Now, let's get for a moment back to this whole idea of redemption, because after all, nobody, neither of you, has yet mentioned um, that as Phyllis McGinley once wrote in a very amusing poem that the clergyman didn't mention sin. Um, is there any relationship in, in an either of your traditions? I know there is, but I'd like you to spell it out. Between sin and death, they're usually brought together, aren't they? Yes, I think... Unfortunately, so. <laughs> there, there are a lot of ways of talking about it. I think of sin as separation from oneself, from one's neighbor, and from God. 
that basically you do a particular bad thing, which is a sin, but the ultimate reality of sin is a reality of separation. The Catholic and doctrine is the only pain of hell is the pain of loss. Yeah, this is... Uh, and therefore, if you're talking about death, uh, you, if you're totally separated from yourself and your neighbor and God, you are dead, even if you happen to be breathing and whatnot. And so the, the redemption has to do with being reunited with God and also with your neighbor and yourself. And well, the ultimate reuniting is, is, is resurrection. Well, but, uh, but ultimately, it seems to me that this is a discrimination which does not require the factuality of death. The ultimate loss is an ultimate loss of estrangement which can take place in the midst of life. Death is not a judgment. Uh, it seems to me that, I mean, uh, I would find that... I would uh, go, although uh, traditionally uh, it's often right. been said to be that. Right. Although traditionally many people have thought of death as a judgment, it seems to me that this is a talismanic way of coping with the ontological but, fact of death, which will happen to everyone. But, but there is judgment at death in so far. You were talking a little bit earlier about... Reconciliation. Uh, someone right. making his right. peace with, with his life. And in a sense, there is a judgment. This life is ultimately important, which is the difference between us and the Orientals. Exactly. This exactly. life is important. Exactly. Incarnation, God and right. history. But I would totally agree with you on that. And the only thing that death supplies is the occasion of reconciliation, but itself is not a judgment upon either the good life or the corrupt no. life. Uh, because on that, with such a logic, the virtuous should never even die a physical death, whereas ultimately mm -hmm. the virtuous or the saints are reconciled to God in life everlasting. And in Judaism, the notion of hell, curiously enough, they never really were able to spell out longer than a short term because the notion of man being estranged from God throughout eternity was so appalling to rabbinic Judaism that the notion of hell is really an, in, is, really is an interim period. It's, it's even more, it's more shortly defined than purgatory yeah. uh, because the idea of being estranged forever was too ghastly to contemplate. Many Christian theologians can't yes. deal with that either. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I tend to agree. Yeah. One other thing, get, getting into another thing, in, in terms of the, the person who may be listening to this program who is dying or is sick, Sick. I, one of the things, and it may sound sentimental, but I think there's a very deep reality about it in our tradition, is that part of being a Christian is having a relationship to Christ. And God has shown in him that he as being a present person with whom one can have a relationship. And I think one of the, the great pastoral gifts of, of the Christian faith is that Jesus himself died and went through this, and one goes through it not alone, but with him. I have a strange experience once with someone very close to me who was dying, and I, I sensed, uh, I was crying in, in sort of a dream world. I sensed almost as if I was standing on the edge of death with that person. And yet there was also, after I came out of it, I realized I wasn't standing there alone with this person. But you need to have some sense by which you're not going into this thing alone. And we uh, lift that up in with Christ through this experience. There may be other ways of... And the gospel it. says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men yeah. to me, isn't it? I mean, and the if cross... If I go under the uttermost yes. desperate sea, who's yes. lifting me? Yes. yes. But don't you think that it's terribly important 
not to overemphasize the elongation of life uh, after death, but to re realize it as a kind of simultaneity, mm -hmm. that where God is and you are, that is eternal life. Mm -hmm. And that all the... Um, the interpenetration yes. of eternity into the present. Yes, into the present. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems that, um, that that might be also very important to emphasize, that, mm -hmm. that it's here and now we have to arrive at where we're supposed to be going. Wouldn't you agree, Bishop? Indeed, <laughs> yes. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Mr. Cohen? Well, I would, I, I would, I would subscribe uh, almost wholeheartedly to uh, what you've been speaking about and the function of the comforters in Israel, which is an obligation of the community in the face of somebody both confronting the imminence of their own death and the mourners who will comfort the grieved is absolutely crucial. It is a primary liturgical obligation. It is a halachic obligation under Jewish law to comfort and to be present with mm -hmm. as though one passes through in one's own flesh the experience mm -hmm. that is being passed mm -hmm. through by the bereaved or by the, the person who has died. Right. What do you make either of you of hope? Hope uh, for the Christian is the substance of things. How, do they, how did St. Paul put it? I can't remember. <laughs> the substance of things. Um, well, anyway, it, it, it is one of the great theological <laughs> virtues. And the hope is that perhaps uh, that we may make a good death. I would think so, yes. Well, what does that phrase mean? I, I really would love oh. to hear you. What, what is, I've heard Christians use the phrase, make a good death. I think that what is dying that in faith yes. uh, and not dying bitter, yes. uh, alienated. Absolutely. Good, yes. good, uh, good. <coughs> dying at peace. Right. Yes, dying in, in, in without uh, uh, objecting to his will. Remember the last mm. words of Dante in his right. will and is our peace. Also, a Christian doesn't long for a sudden death. No. Uh, wants to have some time to, to get organized, so to speak, to, to get used to, to, to strike. To put one's life in order, yes. in yes. a certain sense. 